Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 9.30 in 716. Barbara Bush on the podcast. My dream for our family has always been they'd grow up, they'd get a good education, they'd be happily married, or they'd find someone they could be happy with, and that they would not think they were entitled. Barbara Bush had a titanium backbone. Well, you know, if something was wrong, she was stern, but she was always very optimistic. I'm Tim Wenger on the podcast, powered by the Brothers of Mercy, a five-star rated skilled nursing residents offering affordable living in a country setting. Presidents, first ladies, and many others who knew Barbara Bush are praising her devotion to the nation, her family, literacy. President Donald Trump saying among Mrs. Bush's greatest achievements was recognizing the importance of literacy as a fundamental family value that requires nurturing and protection. Former President Barack Obama said Mrs. Bush lived her life as a testament to the fact that public service is an important and noble calling. Mrs. Bush died Tuesday at age 92. Born Barbara Pierce in 1925, she grew up in the affluent suburb of Rye, New York, the daughter of the publisher of McCall's and Red Book magazines. In 1941, at a Christmas dance while on vacation, at just 16 years old, she met 17-year-old George Herbert Walker Bush. Two years later, they became engaged before the young Navy pilot left to fight in the Second World War. When he returned in 1945, she dropped out of Smith College to marry him. The couple had six children but lost their three-year-old daughter, Robin, to leukemia. You don't get over it. It's very hard to talk about her. But... I know. Even now, after mm-hmm. all these years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it makes everybody more valuable. The family made their home in Midland, Texas, where George Bush went to work in the oil business. They moved more than two dozen times as he transitioned out of the private sector and into politics. Then in 1980, Ronald Reagan and George Bush won the White House, and the Bushes moved into the vice presidential mansion in Washington. George Bush went on to win the White House in 1988. Mrs. Bush held the Bible as her husband was sworn in as the nation's 41st president. I, George Herbert Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. As First Lady, she promoted reading, chairing the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy. She combined her love for books with her affection for her English Springer Spaniel Millie with the bestseller Millie's Book, A Dog's Eye View of the White House. Her sons Jeb and George W. followed in their father's political footsteps, becoming the governors of Florida and Texas. I'm overawed by both Jeb and George, truthfully running for public office, and I'm thrilled. George W. Bush ran for the White House in 2000. Her son won the election, making Barbara Bush only the second woman in history to be both mother and wife to a U.S. president. Barbara Bush was also one of America's most prominent grandmothers. Twins Barbara, named after her, and Jenna famously teased her at the 2004 Republican National Convention. Danny, we love you dearly, but you're just not very hip. Reflecting on her family's accomplishments, Barbara Bush said in 2000 that all of her dreams as a mother had come true. My dream for our family has always been they'd grow up, they'd get a good education, 
they'd be happily married or they'd find someone they could be happy with and that they would not think they were entitled, that they would work and that they would then turn around and give back to the country because they're so lucky. And my dream has been answered. The Bushes retired in Texas and spent much of their time at the Bush compound in Kennebunkport, Maine. Mrs. Bush, full of spunk and smiles, always kept her family close. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. Some reflection now from a national perspective, then from a local political and campaign pundit. I first covered the Bushes in 1975. Longtime ABC News correspondent Ann Compton covered the Bushes before, during, and even after the White House years. When she was the wife of a guy who'd been a congressman. Then he was head of the uh, Republican National Committee during the tumultuous days of Watergate. They were in New York as UN Ambassador China, uh, where I first covered them, In uh, where he was the ambassador. He was head of the CIA. We used to tease he couldn't keep a job, and she had to keep moving herself and her family uh, and their belongings. She did needlepoint, and she would uh, needlepoint little characters into her work so she could remember where she had been. And it was that supportive role uh, that she had for all those years with the, the Bush dynasty. But she also, Barbara Bush had a titanium backbone and she instilled in her husband and sons and daughters um, a, a real sense of, uh, of character and courage and to do things the right way. She kept them in line. She's being remembered today as plain spoken, straight to the point. Uh, how different is that than what we see a lot of times now with uh, politicians, everyone in Washington who seems like you have to read between the lines and try and cut through a, a whole lot of nonsense to get to what they're saying? Great question. Barbara Bush did speak her mind. She once upbraided me because at a big, huge public event, I introduced her as someone who had sacrificed her college education to marry the first boy she ever kissed. And backstage, she upbraided me saying, I never sacrificed anything. I made a choice. And that's what women's rights are all about. When she uh, would speak in public, she would not contradict her husband or sons directly on policy, on such things as a woman's right to choose. But behind the scenes, she let them know exactly when they were off course. And and she would tell friends as well uh, what she really thought about some of the people within the Bush circle. And why does Barbara Bush stand out as really America's first lady more than any of the others? Well, that's a great question as well. Well, she was around so long. The Bushes were such a, nas- uh, a national couple for so long. But I think there was a generosity to her that extended beyond generations, how gracious they were in the old establishment, Washington sense, that you were kind and tolerant of people across the political aisle, across the political divide. And she was always so gracious to those who worked for the government and for the American people. When they came back to the White House, uh, they they went upstairs uh, to spend an hour with the chefs and the cooks and the maids and the people who did the laundry, the doormen, uh, to, to because they those people had made the White House a home for them. And they spent an hour there before the Bushes came down to unveil their official formal uh, oil portraits. They cared about about those people behind the scenes. She leaves behind a legacy in literacy. Literacy was so important. It's so basic. And it it meant the world to her, especially children's literature. I once, my children were invited up to Ken, the lawn at Kennebunkport for a picnic one summer. 
and gave her a, one of their favorite books. That Christmas, Mrs. Bush took me behind the big national Christmas tree in the blue room and showed me where she had had an ornament made about the character Miss Rumpheus, who, who lived on the main coast, because she remembered my children had found that book inspirational as she had. Must have been something to know her personally and professionally, and like, even like you said, with your family and your children. And, and a, a year and a half ago, uh, she invited me down to the presidential library to host a, a, a whole event on first ladies. And she chafed at having to drag around the oxygen canister with it. She didn't want to be dependent on anything. And I think this week when she decided she'd had enough medical treatment, it wasn't going to change. She wanted to go home to the house that she and President Bush built uh, after they left Washington, and simply hold her husband's hand until she let go. And that was absolutely classic Barbara Bush style. Now, locally, there's a guy who actually worked alongside the Bush family, encountering Barbara Bush firsthand on more than one occasion. Well, I was a backbencher on the uh, Bush Quail 92 re-election effort. I was director of media services, and in that uh, role. Political strategist and WBEN contributor Michael Caputo. I was responsible for all radio and television coverage of the campaign and the candidates and their families and surrogates. And one of the chief surrogates for uh, President Bush was was his wife Barbara. The first lady would oftentimes come and you know uh, sit uh, for media interviews under my direction throughout the campaign, and oftentimes in what they call these satellite media tours where. We will put the first lady or the president or whoever in a, in a chair in a studio in the White House in the basement, and they would cycle through a series of interviews with St. Louis and Sacramento and Buffalo via satellite directly with the news anchors. And that happens all the time. We first started doing it that, that campaign cycle. But uh, she was really fun to work with, and sometimes those technical arrangements would not go so well, and she was always very clever uh, uh, she always knew something was wrong. And, and one thing you always do about the first lady, she always knew everything that was going on around the room. Every molecule of what was happening, she understood. And she was ready, uh, doubly prepared for every single interview. She was a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, I'm going to say, how, how else will you remember her? What was she like off the camera? Well, you know, if something was wrong, she was stern. But she was always very optimistic. Even when things went terribly wrong and you can imagine you know satelliting the the first lady all around the country sometimes there would be technical glitches you know where she might be wasting her time waiting for the uh, satellite to work again you know those kinds of situations can be tense when they're scheduled so tightly and she handled it with grace and and humor and oftentimes uh you know she would rib us she ribbed me a lot back in those days i was riding a harley davidson uh, back and forth to work on the on the president's campaign, and she used to get a big kick out of you know uh, making you know jokes about me as a biker, which was kind of a silly idea to begin with. But you know she she was always very clever, and and I contacted the family the other day uh, to express my condolences. They were very quick to reply. It's it's a really bad day for the Bush family, but it's a it's a great day to remember what kind of a woman she was. It, she had an impact that very few first ladies would have, and you know, not only being a first lady, but also the mother of uh, George W. Bush. And she knew her role in that family. I mean, she wasn't some kind of quiet little shrinking violet in the past, you know, in in the background. Uh, and, and again, at the same time, she didn't, just, you know, didn't get involved directly and try to steer uh, uh, American policy. She knew that 
You know, she wasn't an elected public official where that was her job. She was very strong on, you know, championing illiteracy and other important issues. And, and when she was involved in the room with the president or even with her son, who later became president, her opinion was known. And, and, uh, and she was not, you know, not shy about it. So she understood her role, but she, she also was very hopeful someday to see a woman president. You know, Michael, she and, and George Bush were married 73 years. What a love story that is. And, and you saw the two of them together often, right? Well, if you ever wanted to see uh, George H.W. Bush or even his sons in a human moment, uh, just see them as, as they were walking with or talking with their wife and mother. I mean, the president, uh, whenever uh, uh, the, the first lady was around, it, he, it was a very tender thing to see you know i remember one story uh, uh that, that, that i remember the most is when at the end of the campaign we were we were instructed to follow the the the, the president and the first lady around with cameras uh, you know 24 7 or at least during during working hours and and so i was around them quite a bit and one time we were doing a whistle stop train tour from detroit uh michigan to cincinnati ohio and it was one of those things where the train was going kind of trundling down the tracks at about 20 miles an hour, and people stood alongside the track and were waving at the bushes. In fact, even in the rural areas, people were, were, had pulled up in their cars and were standing, cars and standing along the track. We put a camera out there on the trestle of the caboose as the bushes, just the two of them, stood there and waved goodbye. And it was clear that by then that we were on our way to a defeat. We had to leave the trestle. There was only room for a camera. So, you know, you know, later on, actually on Inauguration Day for Bill Clinton, I was going through those tapes to catalog them, and I actually got to sit and watch what turned out to be an incredible private conversation because they seemed to have, they appeared to have forgotten the camera was there. And the president was waving, and the, the, the train was clacking down the, the tracks, and he said, you know, Barr, I'm going to miss this. And she put her arm around him from the back. I remember it because it was a back shot of a video. And she said, oh, George, we're going to put the family back together again. We're going to be doing our holidays together again. We're going to have a lot of fun. Everything is going to be grand. Rest in peace, Barbara Bush. Back tomorrow. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.